If you are a businesswoman working to amplify your six and seven figure business from success to significance, then you know it's not just about the right strategies or the right tactics. It's more and more about high caliber people around you, your team, your collaborators, and advisors that can open doors for you and widen your reach. Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast with your hosts, Dr. Monica Ogando and Amy Walker. Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast. I am your co-host, Dr. Monica Ogando. And I'm Amy Walker. We are so delighted that you are here. And one of the things that I love about the Monica and Amy um, podcast episodes is that we get to riff on things that, that have been on our minds, that have been on our clients' minds. And today we're talking about how to build your thought leadership platform. You know, Amy and I both have plenty to say about that. And I'll start off the discussion by saying that first you have to define what thought leadership is. And thought leadership is your um, body of work that reflects where you stand on a particular issue or industry or maybe even evolved into a framework that you can teach or that you can model for your clients or your audience. And so developing a thought leadership platform means where do you put that? Where do you make that visible? How do you distribute or share that content so that it affects and it impacts the people that it's meant to impact? And I'm going to start the discussion by saying that the, I think the prerequisite to even having this discussion is getting clear about what you want to say and who you want to say it to. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, uh, what is it that you stand for and what is it that you stand against? Mm-hmm. Because when you take a position, then that kind of becomes the launching pad for your thought leadership. Wouldn't you say, Amy? Yeah, Frank Kern actually talks about having three pillars of uh, like content type types of content that you teach. So for me and my Amy Walker consulting business, that's going to be client acquisition. It's going to be leadership and it's going to be balancing business and family. Like those are my three Mm -hmm. things. So you will not hear me talking about anything outside of that on my thought leadership platforms for my business because it wouldn't make sense. Even though there are other things that I'm very passionate about that I really care about, they're not gonna work their way into my thought leadership platform because those are my three pillars. And so, you know, maybe your three pillars are like health and um, relationships and I don't know, eating vegan. I guess that's health, but I, I have tried to be vegan. The closest I've ever gotten is being a Cheegan where I cheat a lot at being vegan. <laughs> Cheegan. <laughs> I love it. But I'm genuinely funny. <laughs> you know what? I wish I could say that I created that. Um, I stole it from Michelle McCullough and I love being a Cheegan. Oh my God. Michelle really makes me laugh so much. Shout outs to Michelle McCullough. She's amazing. And hilarious. So anyway, that's what Frank Kern says. And when I, when I got that, that became really helpful for me to kind of focus. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I learned from Frank Kern, which I think is huge, is do not create content without a purpose of where they're going to go and what they're going to buy. And I think that mm-hmm. right now I see so many people 
overproducing content mm -hmm. and under earning because they don't have the revenue strategy behind right. their thought leadership. Right. Um, and so, and I know I did that when I was earlier on in business, I'd create a ton of content. I mean, I have created so much content. I could bury myself in my own content, mm -hmm. but I didn't have strong call to action. I didn't have a strong client acquisition plan. And so I was maybe making more content than I needed um, because I, I just didn't have a great plan to get the clients in. Well, I mean, I think the silver lining to that is that it helps you to uncover your own voice about what this, what you mean and what you say and what your style is and what's the frequency that works for you. What's the consistency, what's the platform that best gives you the best results, et cetera. And so sometimes there's a little bit of experimentation that needs to happen in that, in that phase. But once you get that dialed in, then it's a matter of just being consistent with it and then being proactive in your thought leadership. And what I mean by proactive is, you, you know, sometimes you see the trends coming. Sometimes you, you hear the, the roar of an ongoing zeitgeist conversation. For a while, we were talking about elections. For another while, we were talking about COVID-19. For a little while, we were talking about elections again. And so we want to make sure that we understand what the zeitgeist is and what we want to say about it, how it impacts our customers, our clients, our industry, et cetera. And then how do you, how does this impact or how does this affect you on a personal level, on a moral level, economic level, et cetera? Because when you are clear about those pieces, then you can form a cogent thought that then becomes part of that thought leadership platform and that body of work. So you want to focus on um, where you need to be noticed. Uh, in other words, to your point, Amy, you're just talking about never create a piece of content without having a clear idea of where it's going to go and what you want people to do with it. And so you want to first get started with where does this need to show up? Like who's going to hear about it? Mm -hmm. If I have something that I want my husband to do and I don't want to have a direct communication about it, then I have to be in the room. He has to be in the room when I'm rumbling and complaining about something so he can hear it. I don't have to have my direct communication and yet it gets done magically. <laughs> so it's the same thing with thought leadership. It's like, who needs to hear what you have to say, even though you're not speaking directly to them. Make sense. Yeah. I think we need to have a celebration moment for your husband who actually picks up on those cues. <laughs> because if I want anything done, I have to like put it in an email and be like, will you do X, Y, Z thing? Like I could talk about it in the same room and, but as soon as I'm like, Hey, will you do this for me? He does, but yeah, yeah not, not, not the subtle hinter. You have to know your personnel. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you the question of what are the best platforms for you where you put your thought leadership pieces? Where do they perform the best? Well, when I am publishing my thought leadership pieces, <laughs> because there've been many times that I'm like, I, I don't have anything useful to contribute, so I don't. But when I am publishing my thought leadership, I do it in LinkedIn mm -hmm. and I do it on Facebook mm -hmm. because that's where I find the biggest bang for my buck in terms of my audience. And it's also, it's also very iterative. So I can actually post something and delete it or edit it or add to it, add a photo, add some infographics, add whatever, so that it becomes a richer piece of content as my own thought evolves around it. Whereas for example, on Twitter, once you publish that tweet, it's done. Like you have, you have to delete it and start over. And so for me, that's important to be able to show up. I mentioned in another podcast that one of my best ways to show up is via audio. 
which is why I love that we do this podcast without the video component. Um, and so for me, that's also very important. My voice is recognizable to my audience. And I don't mean just the way that my voice sounds physically. I just also mean the way that I speak. Like nobody's ever heard of musical Tourette's until I started talking about it, for example. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so personality pieces like that also inform your thought leadership. Um, first of all, I just want to say bull crap to you in the sense of that you have nothing to contribute. And I know people listening were like, Monica, that's come now, come now. <laughs> you always have things to contribute. So, um, for me, I have found, I've used a lot of different platforms and, and they are seasonal. So when I first started, I blogged and I blogged until actually this year when it was so apparent that my YouTube content was getting so much more traction than my blog was, mm -hmm. even though I loved the blog cause I love to write I was gonna say. and I was like, oh, I gotta say goodbye to the blog. I mean, <laughs> it was like breaking up with a lover. It was very hard. But it wasn't what the people were consuming anymore. Yeah. And so um, my top performing platforms are uh, YouTube. Mm -hmm. Works really well for me. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, YouTube is, I think, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful platforms. But YouTube is also the high-maintenance girlfriend that will not be ignored. She has her set of rules. You have to do it her way. She requires a lot from you, but then she is going to produce a lot in return. So you've got to be prepared for that if you want to go with YouTube. It's a lot of work. It's by far the most work of any of the platforms because you have to do your keyword research. You have to be strategic. You have to understand the algorithms. And you, know, you have to really learn how to read your channel. And then they are going to make you work for your first thousand subscribers. Mm. Um, once you get there, it grows, but you know, I've, I've been working on YouTube for a little over a year that it took me to hit a thousand subscribers, mm -hmm. but it produces leads for me and it elevates my brand and my level of expertise. So I love that. LinkedIn has also been a great platform for me. One of the things I still really love about LinkedIn that I hope never changes is that their algorithms are so friendly. Yeah. I can put the same content piece on Instagram, on Facebook and on LinkedIn and LinkedIn will get three to four times the amount of visibility as it will get anywhere else. Mm. Just visibility and engagement. They are friendly with their algorithm. It's kind of like, oh, you haven't posted anything in a year, but now you want to post a great content piece. Okay. We'll let people see it. Whereas uh, Facebook is like, if you want people to see that, you got to pay for the people mm -hmm. and then you have to pay for the people to see it. Mm -hmm. And Instagram is like, if you'll post, you know, a million times a day, every single day, then we'll let your people see the content. And so it just, it doesn't require as much. So if you have like, you want to create a great, well thought out content piece and you want to do it more infrequently, I would say LinkedIn is a good platform if that's where your clients are. Yes. That's why I love it so much. <laughs> it, lets, it lets me post infrequently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when I do, it's a big bang for my buck. I agree with that totally. And I think also there's a, there's great value in leveraging other platforms there. I've seen a lot of folks get traction when they publish viral blog posts, say for example, on medium.com. And then there are some articles that get thrown around and, and passed around in, in the virtual, you know, cubicle land, so to speak, when you publish them on Forbes or Inc.com or, um, Elephant Journal, depending on if you're like health and wellness and spirituality and so forth, there's certain 
publications that have an online component that when you publish there, it gives you the panache, it gives you the caliber of like, oh, you were published in such and such. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's great for your thought leadership platform, but it also allows you to step up the way that you contribute because these platforms have their own submission guidelines that you have to adhere Mm -hmm. to. And if you want to appear regularly, then there's a certain output that you have to then commit to as well that they have for their content calendar. So in a way, even if you never publish in in any of these platforms, which I highly, highly recommend that you do, you still can take hints from the way that they manage their whole editorial process. They have a content calendar, they have submission guidelines. If you apply that to yourself for your own blog, for your own YouTube channel, for your own LinkedIn um, contributions, et cetera, then you are way further ahead than anybody else because then it's not just posting something on the wall and seeing what sticks. You know, I, when I released my first book, I did a lot of submission that year. So I, we got published in uh, fast company. We got published in CEO world magazine and, um, uh, us news and world report. And I mean, we got several big name publications that year, Mm -hmm. but the thing that I kind of kick myself about is I just stopped. I was like, okay, book's done. Oh yeah. We're done. And, um, this year I actually had a publicist reach out to me and ask if I wanted to submit a piece for a a large publication. I don't know if it's been picked up or not, but I submitted it Mm -hmm. and it got me thinking like, what if I just, you know, cause now I'm not blogging. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still miss writing. So what mm-hmm. if I just instead gave myself that, you know, four articles a month and pitch them out to different places and see where I can get them picked up. Yeah. The other thing that has been on my mind is industry specific publications, like picking, you know, the journal for plumbers of America, or, you know what I mean? I'm not mm-hmm. really saying I need to work with the plumbers of America, although I'm could. Um, I'm just saying finding like an industry specific publication and then creating really great content um, for them and creating Mm -hmm. a partnership there where it's, it's an association or a statewide organization where you could get a lot of great business. That's something that I definitely have my eye on right now Mm -hmm. um, that I feel like could be more accessible and more useful than some of the bigger nationwide where they've got a lot of content and your stuff might get a little lost in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. And the good thing to remember too, is that these platforms depend on content producers in order for them to sustain their own business model. So this is not them doing you a favor by publishing you. This is you, uh, this is a win-win relationship. They need your content, you need the visibility. And so it's an opportunity for you to do your best work and to leverage the platforms and the tools that are available. You know, one thing that I will say though, you've got to be careful with is that you don't end up with the advertising department (laughs) because sometimes- That like you send stuff in and you end up with the advertising department and they're like, oh yeah, we'd love to feature you. It costs X, Y, Z thousands of dollars. That's exactly And who you really need to be getting your stuff to is like, if it's a written publication, it's an editor. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a, you know, if it's news media, it's a producer. So you have to make sure that your pitch goes to the right person in order to create that traction. Yep. This is good. We're going to have some resources on the show notes to help you out with that. I love what you're sharing because there are practical tips to actually get started. If you haven't yet started creating your thought leadership platform, there is no better time to start than now. I always say to people, the best time to plant an acorn tree was 20 years ago. 
because that's an oak tree now. The mm -hmm. best next time is today. So you can get started today. And sometimes I hear all the time people say, is it too late to get into YouTube? Is it too late to get into LinkedIn? No, it's never too late. If you have something to say and there are people that are willing to hear it, then that's the perfect combination. You just get to have consistency with it because then that's what's going to build momentum and that's what's going to build visibility. Absolutely. All right. We are going to wrap up our show for today. And I want to give you a listener challenge to sit down, map out four great thought leadership pieces that you can do, produce them and publish them. I don't even care what platform that can be <laughs> on your blog. That can be on YouTube. That can be, you're going to submit them out to other people, but really let's, let's up our game in this area. I'm going to commit to it. And Monica, I'm, I'm looking it. at you. Yep. Are you going to commit to it? Yep. I'm doing it. Awesome. All right. For all of you amazing geniuses out there, we hope that you found this episode enlightening and inspiring and we would love to hear from you so please make sure that you leave us a comment um we'd love your reviews as well and as we're you know getting this podcast kind of up and going please share with any other podcast listening friends that you may have um, and tell them what we got going over here so we can help build a stronger community so that we can expand your circle of influence we love you being a part of ours we're so appreciative of you and we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day Thanks, everybody. You have worked hard and you've earned your place at the table of influence. Wouldn't it be great to have a board of advisors that celebrate your wins, support your growth and challenge your blind spots? That's why we host our influencer circles for six and seven figure business women. If you are a high achieving entrepreneur woman who wants a deep dive in business strategy, collaboration, and strategic relationships, go to yourcircleofinfluence.com forward slash influencers and reserve a spot in one of our upcoming circles.